Hello and welcome to The Ball Bags, a weekly podcast breaking down all the news from the United Rugby Championship, the NFL, the English Premier League, the NBA and the wide world of sport. Hello and thanks very much for tuning in to episode 216 of the Ball Bags podcast. There's another four episodes to go until we round out season two. I am delighted to be joined by the bottom feeder, Bartley. How are you, mate? How's things? Rumour has it, uh, it was the best thing of your whole weekend was to spend a half an hour with me this evening, so glad I could do uh, that. Absolutely, but look, it's a Monday. It's not it really was me or Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I don't know why Ed Sheeran got so much hate. That's one thing that bothered me listening back. I was like, Jesus. It's not It's not that we threw Ed Sheeran hate. It was just, I wanted to convey to our real loyal fan base is how much of a fangirl you were of Ed Sheeran. That like, ah, he's brilliant, like he's when, brilliant. When, when the Sasquatch smiled over Ed Sheeran, it was a smile you'd never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, look, I, I enjoyed myself. And look, for the listeners out there, obviously, I've been away for the last few weeks, been in and out intermittently. So, look, daddy's home um, and the coach has gone running. So, what does that tell you? Um, Currently, some are missing in Terran or uh, celebrating a loss, by the way, uh, celebrating an AIL loss. So, yeah. Flares in Terran huh? Flares in Terran. Never thought I'd see the day. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't flares. They were posh. Uh, scented candles that's all they were um, just tearing your um, <laughs> that's a whole part of the fan base got knows of sure yeah look. good <laughs> good <laughs> I suppose uh, kicking us off player of the week in partnership with The Athletic just click the link in the podcast description get that month free access to the best journalism sports journalism out there so bottom feet directly just who was your player of the week this week I had Giannis you had Giannis after last and Giannis time, huh? for the weekend yeah just yeah. I, like it's not the prettiest triple double you'd ever see I get that but it's a very effective it, it, you know considering just how and we'll get into it I don't want to go spoiling too much of it, but just how tough that team is to, to get anything against I think it was uh, Giannis for me and it was a great opening game one for them as well so it mm-hmm. kind of just capped it off Two, two great. Obviously, we're recording this on, on Bank Holiday Monday, um, but the opening games on Sunday were two great games. Um, the Golden State Warriors and Memphis. That looks like it'll be a good series. Um, yeah. Looks like yeah. It'll be a good series. I yeah. The Thompson free throws at the end obviously made it a little bit more dramatic. Mm. That's something that he ever does, do you know. So, mm. but yeah, that was a cracking series. Or just cracking game one. The the Boston one was a bit more. It's a bit more kind of that's your dad's NBA kind of stuff. It's a bit more throwbacky, but fair. fair. Yeah, game two or the second game last night was definitely one for the kids. Well, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Well, look, this was my my player of the week. Um, was Katie Taylor, um, Ireland's greatest sports person, and the debate has been dead for a while at this stage. Um, phenomenal fight. I don't know if you if you caught it live or caught it the, the next morning. Personally, up to for the next morning, but she just she should have been she should have gone down in the fifth. Um, She's an absolute final, warrior, isn't she? The final thirty seconds told you all you need to know about her, um, and her opponent too. Like that was a great fight. 
It's probably one of the best female boxing matches I think I've ever seen. Do you know what my gripe is with this? I have a bit of a gripe with the country for this kind of shite now. Is okay. that right? Katie Taylor is our look. You can line up. Look, she's top three, anyways. Like wherever you want to put her in your top three of Irish sports people, I leave you do that. I I I leave you. You you can do whatever you need to do. But you ever hear like you know when she's going into a big fight and all of her fights are massive, and that mm. all you get is I think she's going to get better. It happens a lot. You get it a lot where everyone just starts to it's like, that's our greatest sports person ever. Like like the one real good thing we have and everyone kind of wants to be like, oh, I don't know if she has enough to get over the line this time. So like, shut the fuck up. Of course, could you think she could run the rail in the heads every time she gets in there. But that's historic though. Like who, who has ever been that good, operated at high level and not lost? I know, but we're just a bit shit sometimes. I'm just saying we need to be a bit better. We need to, you just, it needs to be, you need to be thinking reverse of like, that, that one's fucked. It's, you know, like, that's the way it should be. And going. I get it, but I don't, I don't think, yeah, but I, don't, I still don't think it's like, say, the amount of people, like, I don't think it's like, say, when McGregor's a fight, that people actually want him to lose because people love to see the hero become the villain or whatever. I don't think that, like, it's anything like that. It's just. It's like she can't keep going on <laughs> the way she's going, basically. I know, but you know, like eventually, like the doubters, you know, they need to need to evaporate now. Need to get wrecked. Um, yeah, get wrecked, wriggly, wriggly wrecked, or whatever they call that. Yeah, I think is the politically correct term. But if you had to pick between the two, Janice or Katie Taylor. Ah, Katie. Okay. Perfect. Okay, Katie. Perfect. We won't route. Um, so moving on, main segment of the show. Agree to disagree. I'm going to take it through to you, URC first. Um, and then following that, obviously, you're going to take talk us through your passion public, which be the NBA and the playoffs in particular. So, this weekend saw the penultimate round of the URC. We still got a few COVID games, and you've got the kind of Heineken Cup interlude as such. Um, but we're headed for the playoffs. So, I suppose now is as good a time as ever. To examine the concept and weigh in kind of on our thoughts as, as to how it's run over the season, season one. So, bottom field, just a few queries for you, just trying to tease it out, see where you kind of stand. Mm-hmm. So, has it been a success? I think so. I I put it like this here, right? Obviously, you know, it was, it was obviously a big kind of rugby supporter growing up, you know, you've seen all the kind of competitions that have come and gone since then. And they have. I, I I don't know about you, but when I was when we were able to watch, you know, say top fourteen or the the Premiership on the telly, the product that they put on screen was so close to what you'd get say for a Premier League game that even if the quality of the game wasn't that good, mm-hmm. the overall package was was good. I'd prefer to watch that than watch Leinster hammer Lynette in the lashing rain on a Friday night with the worst looking Magners League ball possible. Do you know what I mean? At the time, those were. You get I, what I'm where, saying? I, I, where I was going to steer towards, and I think Premier Sports did a good job, is I actually liked the Magners League when it was televised on Satanta Television, Satanta Sports. I think Premier Sports done a very good job for this year. It's when it became like the Rabo direct and it was on TG4 which look don't get me wrong TG4 has its place and it's it's brilliant whatever keeps our, our national language alive but 
as people who don't speak Irish had it battered into us in school and kind of are a bit torn the shoulder it can be difficult to watch games what's Gaelga? Um, it, well to get into the game it, it, do you know that way like it, it's just but, you you might as well watch it with the sound off production quality as well is probably a little bit lacking um, yeah but I, I, I do think that the URC is really it seems to be yeah I I I think it's been a success even from that point of view and you know even say the socials their like their Instagram socials and all this stuff like the stuff they put out on it is good like it's much more engaging it, they actually seem to care about what they're putting out whereas there used to be times you'd see stuff and you're like going who the fuck was looking after that mm. fair yeah. comment we think yeah, I'd agree and I, and I always think it's gonna it's brought a bit more of the casual fan back in as a concept, definitely. Like they, they, they're obviously overemphasizing their TV audience, audiences and stuff like that, and say like they they shout about when they hit a record number, or whatever. But I do think it has brought the more casual fan in. I also like the structure of like say two games on a Friday night, and then it's it's a Super Saturday. Like it's you can it's sit bumper, down. It's yeah. yeah. You you spend your whole like there's guys out there that like are going down to get their eight or nine cans of Guinness, you know, in the mm. off license on their Saturday. They're going home. They're going to watch a heap of games, and they're happy out. And mm-hmm. do you know, I think, yeah, I I just think yeah, the product the, the product has really taken a leap, and mm-hmm. just from that point of view alone, you would have to consider it. Yeah, in my eyes, I think it's a success. Anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah I'd be in agreement. I agreement. Um, suppose look, they they have had a had a a difficult first year, obviously, with the emergence of Omicron just when we were going to get the European sides down in South Africa and it erupted in South Africa um, but look this was always kind of a potential pitfall they may have faced trying to start a new competition with such global commutes in a global pandemic and um, we only get one of them every 100 years or so but what for you I suppose are the major pitfalls if any that you see with the structure as is so Obviously, with the South African teams coming into European competition, it's like looking. I wonder. They've obviously been good enough to contend in this league, mm. to a certain point. I I just wonder if, you know, hypothetically, you end up with three or four South African sides in the European Cup. Do they all get whitewashed out of it in the first round, and then? They're kind of like, uh, what's the quality of team like going forward? Well, I don't. Do we, I personally do we don't think, think they're, they're going to be. Yeah, I don't think they're. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the strength and depth of the competition is something I'm calling into. Okay, fair enough. Um, like, in, uh, in, surely they're going to fare better than say the their Welsh and Italian counterparts. I okay, yeah, well, I want to see it, and 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 then I know because I suppose like if they get home games in South Africa as well, like that, that fast hard track will suit them, and you have to travel, and you know there's always those things to consider as well. But it's just yeah, it's the strength and depth of all of the teams that I kind of I wonder about sometimes, especially I know that the first you know this first big season with. COVID and lots of players been missing can 
affect say the you see the score lines of games and that doesn't tell the full side of it because a lot of the times those full score lines of 50 point hammerings like they had to put out any team had to put out like 15 academy players because their first team is riddled with COVID or whatever so that's my only kind of thing is that the the strength and depth of the whole competition when you see some of the scores there is a bit of a question mark over it just because of COVID so I don't know whether I can answer that whether the question is going to be answered for me this year or next year but it's just something that of all the things I want to consider that would be it Okay, segues on nicely I suppose to the next question which is do we think the qualification process for Europe will cause issues in the future so just to briefly explain it it's the top 8 qualified for Europe but then what they do is the top side in Wales, Italy there has to be a a representation from each country in the European Championship so you could face a situation where Benetton um, Clinetley, for example, as things stand, won't make the top eight, but they will qualify for the Heineken Cup at the expense of, say, maybe sides that have finished in seventh and eighth, for example, or even higher up the table because I think the two Scottish sides are at the bottom of the eight. So, do we think down the line that could cause issues where you see maybe a side who's finishes the season fifth, for example? And then they don't make Europe because we have to get the Italian um, side in. Do you think that could cause issues in the future? I I, I should I, sort itself out. I don't like the fact that you can be a really bad team and just because you belong to a country, you're the best team in that country, that you get a pass at the expense of any any team. That's that's I kind of that's the integrity of the competition. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I understand it's part of growing the game as well but grow the game fucking locally fair <laughs> do you know like I, I can't I can't like imagine your team missing out on a European spot because of that yeah yeah I, I think it's and they could be 20 points better than the team that's qualifying based on the table like yeah. you're only putting them into the bottom of the European pool table to be shredded and sure like what good does seeing you know Lynette said Lynette 50 getting 50 point European games put on them it does nothing for them yeah Um, I uh, I don't think it does anyways maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm missing the bigger picture here but well I I I think there was there is something we need to get to which we'll get at the end which probably discussed Lynette for example uh, among others um, in greater depth Um, but I suppose the the next question I have for you is, do we think, obviously, we've looked at Leinster go to South Africa over the last two weekends, and they've lost uh, both fixtures. Obviously, they fielded a far from full strength team, which they've been kind of, uh, they've caught a fair bit of slack, but it's it's no different to what the South African sides did at the start of the competition in September. But do we think the inclusion of the South African sides paves the way for a higher strength of depth, say, in, in our own national squads, when the Irish squad do we think this is a scope that we could have greater strength and depth with players getting that experience in South Africa that they wouldn't have got prior to playing international rugby if you've ever played against a South African player they, they pose a very different physical profile to most people mm. yeah. 
and for you know so the academy players in Leinster who are you know are, it's such a good setup that they would get onto the majority of sides regardless mm. so they're usually like you send down a group of kids from Leinster I, I generally treat it a little bit different than a lot of other teams because they are the top what you would consider kind of the, the top 5% of talent um, mm. so while they they don't overcome the South African teams now I mean unless you go down and send a 20 year old to, to face two you know 6 foot 10 second rows on a vast track in nice sunny South Africa you'll never know if they're going to have the goods that you play against South Africa in the Six Nations well, or in the summer, summer yeah well I mean you know <laughs> just hypothetically but like I um, mean like it, all being said as as, as many as the dance got slated for they did lose two fixtures but they would have been inside the the losing bonus point in both so I don't think it's as bad as it was made out to be um, and I think for a lot of those Leinster players will further develop but I suppose and I think it's, it is going to be good for the Irish national squad I think there's scope for it to be good for the Welsh um, the Scottish all the different national sides with the different strength side because you're playing a higher caliber a player on a week to week basis but I suppose my final question for you and it's probably it's a bigger piece but at present obviously you've got the three Irish sides you've got Leinster Munster then you've got the three South African sides you've got Cells Sea Sharks DHL Stormers then you've got Ulster followed by the Vodacom Bulls so the top six are all Irish and South African sides um, and then the top eight is brought is finished out by Glasgow and Edinburgh um, they play in week 18 and effectively the loser of that is going to play Leinster from the looks of things and then obviously we've got one Welsh or we've got one Irish one South African um, side not making the top 8 but we have got four Welsh sides and obviously two Italian sides so should we be concerned about the lack of Welsh into a Leicester extent Italian representation um, in the final in the top eight or is this something that will sort itself out or is Welch will be just an absolute mess and are we not going to do it and like I watched the game at the weekend the Ospreys Scarlet game I think it was the first time the Ospreys fielded their full strength squad this entire season and it was a phenomenal game it was a brilliant game um, I think they scored 52 points to 24 or something that they won the West Wales derby so should we be like deeply concerned about the state of Welch regional rugby at present or is this something that could potentially sort itself out I think I suppose look we'll just say we touch on the Italians first right I if, look if they're not good enough at this stage to to try and crack a top eight I don't really know what more you're going to be able to do with the Italian sides mm. to be honest do you know what I mean I, I they've been around a while now um Sometimes they play games and they look unreal. Uh, it's just a lack of overall player in the squad and they probably don't have as much money as everyone else. Um, I don't know what way they're, they're funded, if they're privately funded clubs uh, or come, uh, whether the union the, looks after them in this the case. Union, yeah. Yeah. But like I think we touched on this Welsh thing a while ago is that they were considering half in the regions again, were they? And merging them, Re- redistributing them. I think they probably go from four to three. Yeah, um, with the the well sides. 
it just seems like it's so poorly run that you'd kind of feel bad for the players now at this stage but I think like if you were to do the right thing it would be to if you, you kind of let that rule go out the window and if they all started leaving then you have no choice but to try and find incentives for them to stay and I think it's to kick up the hole that they need more than that and to to fix the bigger roots in, in Welsh rugby then I, I just don't find it fair that if you want to, to play for Wales that you have to play in such a bad setup club wise do you know what I mean well the argument to, to this is that like the Welsh players aren't centrally contracted um, so they don't have the kind of issues that say Irish, Irish players, players have where, they, where they have to play for Leinster they have to play for Connacht and like you see there's players in the, in the Irish squad that are not getting a game for Leinster yeah uh, yeah, I, I don't want to always I, turn around and say like let's be... privatize the whole lot of it. Do you know that way? You never want to do that. Not with this game because you you see how well the Irish thing can be run. Mm. And as far as a model, it's something that it's obviously going to have issues at some stage. Mm. That's fair enough. But as far as do you know what I mean? It's a very unique kind of thing that we have. It's been the, uh, uh, it's been something that a lot of nations would would have en- be envious of us. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Like and even the contracts are fair, and you know, th- like if you play for Ireland, like you're gonna get your money as well. You know, mm. just as far as Wales goes, though, I I'd, I'd be deeply concerned about it, to be to be quite to be quite frank. And um, we talked about at the very start the kind of different. Celtic leagues we've had because that's what yeah. it was the Celtic league and when it was the Magnus League and when it was on say Stanta Sports so you're looking at like 2008, 2009, 2010 the Welsh sides were very competitive Ospreys in particular and the Ospreys were had always had a good run in Europe Scarlet's to a lesser extent um, the Dragons have always struggled and the Blues kind of blow hot and cold and um, but right now, where we're at, I would be deeply concerned. Um, I don't know if they can get back. I think they do need to look about salary caps league-wide as opposed to nationwide, which, I mean, Lens have the biggest salary cap in the in the competition, and that's where they're top. In fairness, I think the URC will probably get the salary cap stuff sorted out. Mm. Um, I actually... I would be inclined to say, look, considering how well it's gone since... Inception. It's been set up in the middle of a fucking pandemic that I would probably be inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt that the salary cap and stuff can you can push that out maybe a year, but I would like to see something kind of by the end by the not this summer but next summer that mm. right, this is what we're gonna do for a what's what's that word? Competitive you know if, Yeah. Yeah parody basically yeah you want to create parody competitive balance that's the one yeah there we go so yeah next year i would be inclined look you've got you've had a really good run let's yeah get something locked in so it doesn't die fair um and also yeah i suppose probably to to save clubs from going bankrupt and stuff like that so that's kind of the main reason but look 
we've rattled on too much about the URC at this stage. Um, I have enjoyed it as a concept. I am looking very much forward to the playoffs. So I think there'll be some cracking games in that. And then hopefully the final will be, it's, it's going to be, the final is going to be in the country of the top sides. So it's probably going to be in Dublin um, at the end of the regular season. So hopefully be in the Aviva. My trigger tickets to that. Swindle tickets to that one. But bottom feeder Atlee, you're going to take us through the playoffs, I believe. Yeah, so I was obviously looking at the the questions you'd sent me earlier on. It was like, oh yeah, we can let's do something like this today. We'll send you. So I have, um, I suppose, some of my questions are like they're, they're obviously centered around the NBA playoffs. What's kind of going on? And we're just going to see how wrong you are. <laughs> Very wrong. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so my first, my first one is. Um, after firmly cementing himself as one of the game's great young superstars in round one against the Nets, will Jason Tatum ascend even more in this tough series against the Bucks, or do you see a situation where his play is probably going to fall off and that the critics are, are essentially going to come after him now again? Well, I, I had an issue with this question on a number of parts, so I'll think Always do, now. don't you? Yeah, always do. Difficult, difficult person to do with. Um, for me... That series against Brooklyn Nets, I did pose a question aimed at roiling the coach, um, but look, it was a bit of a walkover in the end. I think Jason Tatum was probably in the top two or three talents in the league prior to that season, that series rather. Um, I think he is... He's brilliant. He's built to be a star, um, a quiet star nonetheless, which is which is grand. Um, he's not going to be probably the face of the league because he's not too outspoken. He's not too willing to sit down for media interviews and stuff like that. But I think as a player, I think he's up there as one of the top players in the league already. Um, this game's only going to go from strength to strength. But this is going to be a tough series. Um, you're playing, obviously, the reigning NBA champions. Didn't get off to a great start. Marcus Smart's injury, I suppose, arguably was the key piece in game one. Well, uh, considering just how good he's been all year, yeah. Um, um, of all the ancillary pieces to lose, Smart is just not the one. Arguably, he could be fit for the rest of the series, but he still won't be 100%, if that makes sense. Um Come off twice. Am I right in saying he came off twice? Uh, I'm not sure how long. I think he did come off, come back on, and then go off again. Um, so look, hopefully he gets back healthy because those of all the makings, as you said, it's your dad's basketball. It's not the kids' basketball. Yeah. Um, it's probably the worst matchup for the Celtics. Like, don't get me wrong, brilliant defense. But they have a brilliant defense against what is small ball, for want of a better phrase. This new era of basketball and shooting beyond the arc. It like was the quote yesterday: "The perfect foil for Boston is someone that likes to just get dirty with Boston, just because of how no, they actually I think, operate." I think I think you're doing yourself an incredible disservice. The quote, and I'll read it out loud. <laughs> you texted me last night, and I was, I was like, I couldn't have put it better myself. Was loads of pictures of uh, of like tearing your base flares but uh, the quote was hard to bother a fella that loves being bothered yeah and that was the one I think that's a perfect summation 
of what Giannis Antetokounmpo brings to a fixture like this. He's playoff ready. Like he is a playoff player. He'll and you knew this the whole way through watching the books in the the regular season. They kind of struggle at the at the answer at the beginning, slowly built, and then I think they finish up being the three seed. Um, they are playoff built as a side. They've gone on deep runs the last number of years. Obviously, winning last year. So he probably this probably is a perfect matchup. Like I would firmly believe whoever wins the series wins the East. Um, how they fare up against what comes out of the West is a different story. But this is the Eastern Conference final around early for me. To be fair, so yeah, I I hundred percent agree with that. To actually answer your question, this is the worst possible matchup for the Celtics, and it's the worst possible matchup for the Celtics with a potential injury to Marcus Smart. So obviously for the coaches, well, I was going to say for his benefit, but I mean Liverpool are on course for a quadruple here, so so maybe he needs to be sent back. And maybe hopefully the Bucks do win. Or we we'll have to listen to him. And uh, no, I'll be joking. Um, I'm kind yeah, of I take a Cel- Celtics title and at the expense of Liverpool being sacrificed for two, uh, at least being slashed half of that quadruple because I just won't be able to listen to him. We yeah. have all summer ahead of us. So, like, if Boston win the whole thing and Liverpool win four trophies, I'm not coming back. My contract let me, is being Yeah, seized. let me tell you, player, player of the week <laughs> all, all next year will be Mo Salah, Jason Tatum. Yeah. Mo Salah, Jason Tatum, Mo Salah, Jason Tatum, risers, Liverpool, risers, the Celtics. That's going to be season three. <laughs> That's going to be season three. Um, yeah. No, nah, um, but you know, it's a fascinating series. This one. Don't look at the score in round one and say, mm, really. Um, there's a lot more played. The score didn't really do it justice. Yeah, um, we were kind of chatting about the stats last night. It was like thirty-one missed trees. And what was it, one oh nine or one oh one eighty nine? I think was the final score. Was it? Uh, the final score. Hey, which one of these ad hoc questions? I know. Uh, yeah, I know. And we don't have a, a proper marketing team that just. You know, you watch Joe Rogan. Yeah, it was one. So it was one oh one eighty nine. You missed thirty one trees, and you only. 101.89 suggests you still had a chance to probably win the game at some stage down the line. No, I do. I do actually. You have actually reminded me of something I really had to bring up. As something you, you threw out last week. That's really no. annoyed me now, and I'm going no. to bring it up. No. Your, ne- your next question. What is it? A. Is Giannis the perfect foil? For is one of the Giannis? Games? Well, I suppose we kind of already covered that he is pretty much perfect foil for for a team like that. I don't think, and I'm willing to be that this is one of the greatest defenses of the modern era, which is what you said last last week. What do you class as the modern era? You said it was the greatest defense of the modern era last week. What do you class as the modern era? Give well, I, I just I just decided to just say like one of the games historically great defenses because it, it like it it is a great defense. They're a great defense. They're good defense. They're good defense. Great, great, great comes in the ring. Great comes in the ring. Modern be- era. Are they, are they modern better? era for me is salary cap onwards. Are they, be- are they are they better than the Kawhi led Spurs defense? They are most definitely not. Look, that boy was different gravy though as a defender. Like, but like. But it wasn't just it wasn't just him. I know. Tim Duncan. So like, 
Yeah, but we weren't disputing that they weren't. I just said a historically great defense. You want to like look? Answer the question: Is he perfect foil for a historically great defense or not? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. he's big. He's physical. He can and look. His three point game is getting better. Um, look, you're talking about a fella who in a semi final of an Eastern Conference away from home, he's alley ooping him to himself. Yeah, he's perfect. He's, um, he he's is, the, in fairness, suckers. the best player in the league. Right, right now, now, right now, he is. Not about talent, not about potential. Right now, he's the best player in the league. I know, I don't want to go off, and I'm not going to go off topic for too long, but oh. when you look at the numbers he's piled up and stuff like that, and say, you know, hypothetically, if you win the championship this year, the whole um, kind of way that you look at him has to change dramatically as a player. And I think he's already he turned like all he needed was the one title to get the monkey off his back because he already had the personal hardware, his defensive player of the year and his MVPs. So I mean, if he won it, won it this year. You've also, I don't care what anyone says. There has to be a bit of a wait into the fact that he's doing this in Milwaukee. There I want to, to stay and and yeah. and obviously battle to stay. You know, and mm. he look. I'm sure he. He looked over the horizon and was like, I could go anywhere. I could have mm. teams crawl to me and I'd, I'd be like, who do you want with you? And this and that and the other. And he won a title with Chris Middleton and Drew Halda. So, mm. all right. I'm not going to argue with that. So, Next question. Fair. Jordan Poole has allowed Clay Thompson to feel his way slowly back into the end of the regular season and these playoff series. Um, I, I think that's a good thing for Clay as well. Expecting Clay to come back and be twenty five and a flamethrower is ridiculous. Um but is the five player pool of Steph, Clay, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole and Wiggins enough to get the Warriors a championship this year? And I think a championship this year for the Warriors would be a, a small surprise, but would uh, be the less glamorous title they've won now over there. This decade, I'd have to agree. Um, I do think there's there's enough talent there. Like you look at that and say three years ago, you would look at that lineup and you'd say, well, you've one man there who's going to play defense, and it's Draymond Green, and it's an agent Draymond Green. But I think Bradley Wiggins, Bradley, Andrew, Andrew, Bradley is the cycler, <laughs> isn't he? The cyclist, uh, Andrew Wiggins, defense has drastically improved. Um, which look as a kind of someone who was on the trajectory of being a number one draft pick flop he's massively turned around his career and probably made sure he'll he'll have a career in the NBA but I think that five can win a title but they'll have to get lucky um, and look no title comes without a bit of luck but I think there's just enough talent there that I think if the chips fall in their favour I think they'd need they need to not see Milwaukee come out of the East because um, I think Giannis would just destroy Draymond um, I think he would absolutely destroy him there's very little you can do against Giannis anyway so I think I'd like to need, see it though <laughs> they'd, need, they'd, need, they'd need a battered um, an absolutely battered Celtics coming out of the East so yeah I, I agree I think as a five it's a it's a really good five mm. uh, five best players I don't think it's a great five I think if 
it's a pre-injury Clay Thompson I think it's an entirely different equation but then you know if Clay never gets injured we don't see an emerging pool that's a fact so it's I, I look at it as a blessing in disguise from that like he's in a situation where he probably won't you know the chances of him getting re-injured after having such a bad layoff are, are less than likely because of pool so I think the ability to be able to spread the well and obviously seen it last night as well that like Clay had an opportunity to close the game out and he actually didn't so um, yeah I, I don't personally think that they will go the whole distance this year but uh, I do think it's it's a good enough five to win a title yeah yeah I'll be in agreement Next one. Yeah. So, I don't actually rate the Heat this year. I, I think they're a good side, but I think the dog is in Boston and not in Miami. Um, Here's one thing I would just interject. Um, I think the Heat are a brilliant, brilliant regular season team. They're built to be a regular season team. They'll come out on Tuesday nights on games against the Utah Jazz when no one wants to play and they'll play hard but I just yeah. don't think they have that elite scoring that kind of is now a requirement to go deep in the playoffs wasn't previously but it is now definitely an elite scorer individual um, shot creation could be an issue here maybe who knows yeah yeah. so obviously they're playing look they're playing Philly what and I think I think that series is Miami's I don't personally think that Philly have the calling cards to get this done but I pose to you what does Philly need to do to get out of the series what they need, what? They need to get him beat and need to get him back healthy because he's he's going to they think the reporter is going to miss the first two games of the playoff series um, and Bede's the type of player though and I don't know if this is a character flaw or if it's just his body um, he tends to be slower back from injuries he's never back ahead of the scheduled date if anything he's typically an additional game um, now that might actually suit Philadelphia because that might mean that they're reliant on James Harden and we've seen throughout his career that when James Harden is tasked with high usage he tends to excel his problem seems to be sharing with a second superstar but I just don't think we're, we're I just don't think we've got a peak James Harden in the last two seasons and I don't think he's going to suddenly spring um, out in a Sixers uniform over the next week or so his first step looks gone and obviously his first step's huge for him just because of the amount of damage he does at the foul line alone uh, yeah like the first I don't know it's weird with Harden isn't it like he could come out now in this game one and we could be looking at 30-10-10 and 10, all of a sudden and going like thanks for shutting us the fuck up James we really appreciate that shit out of you thanks for or, the series you know you kind of look at the way that if he just does maybe the 20 and 10 assists in game one and the pace of the game is maybe a little bit slower that they might just hang in there for and make a competitive game over and maybe Maxi takes over as the lead the lead scorer t- tonight um is is how I'd see the game going to be honest I don't think that even without Embiid that James Harden has enough actually physically in this tank to, to go and take over a game here no, I I I agree with that. Like, and Miami are gonna play it tough. Do you know what I mean? So very tough brand of basketball coming James Harden's way tonight. I think. Mm, um, yeah. 
So you, you, it is just for you. It's a purely Embiid thing that that makes this. No, I think he gives them that extra bit of physicality that they'll probably need to get over in Miami. Yeah. Um, like is, is J Cole looking like Tobias Harris gonna kind of start showing something um, to warrant that contract he's on? I don't think so. <sighs> I mean, a hell. <laughs> A pre, I don't know, like we take James Harden from five seasons ago and land him into this team M- now. MVP season. MVP I season. think, yeah, I think it's. And while I, I don't, I'm not a personal fan of his brand of basketball. It's very effective, and that's all that kind of matters at the end of the day. Sometimes. Well, the season he won his MVP, I loved watching him play. Um, I haven't really enjoyed him since. Like, there's a fella I used to work with who who was in love with James Harden, and he used to refer to him as Atlas. Because he was carrying that team, and let me tell you, he was like he was phenomenal. Um, and then obviously he got Russ, and look, it just didn't work out. Um, it's another yeah. instance of being painful to be a Russell Westbrook admirer, I suppose. But um, yeah, no, like it's Miami's to lose for me. Um, but if Philly somehow won this, it would boil down to the fact that Miami just doesn't have enough elite level scoring. Um, yeah, and I think Philadelphia does have options there. Like Tyrese Maxey's been brilliant. He's a very emerging young young guard in this league, and I think. Uh, look, I don't think Philly are, are going to win this series. I personally think they might be a bit embarrassed when this series is all said and done, and that Daryl Morey is going to have to go back in the summer, right and. Just reevaluate this fucking grand master plan that he tried to put in place to get hired in here. <laughs> it's season one. It's season. It's season, one. it's season one. But I would be of the opinion that you really need to start thinking about turning the keys over to that young lad now. It's a valid comment. Like to me, right? Let me just summarize it right now. Okay, so definitely wouldn't beat out for the first two games. Roster versus roster right now. This series is a gentleman sweep. Absolute, yes. It's, it's got gentleman sweep written all over it. But if we head to Philadelphia, tied one and one, it's very much far more interesting. Yeah, it's going to be rowdy there as well, especially if we go back one and one. Like, really yeah. rowdy. So I would make my comments on this series when we head back to Philly. Now, if we get, if, if Philadelphia win, obviously this is going out on Wednesday. We're recording on Monday. Philadelphia wins round one. Monday Give us night. grief, yeah. We'll take grief and yeah, uh, we'll take grief. Hit our socials up. Yeah. Someone right. hit socials up. Yeah, someone hit me socials up. Um Right, last one. Uh back to the Western Conference. So Jalen Brunson um has obviously emerged. He's had one of these what do I call it? Jamal Murray like flutters. That's the best way to put it. You know when someone just comes out in a series and just starts Going flamethrower, we just like call him, yeah, Jamal, three years. yeah, Jamal Murray flutters where you're just like, oh, he saves his best for playoffs. I like this, I'm, I can be on that. So he's obviously himself and Luca are going to be going up against this fiercely strong Suns team who had a little bit of a hiccup against uh, a rowdy Pelicans, but look, injuries and stuff can completely change the complexion mm. of a series very, very quickly. As we all know, so look, the Suns survived the scare, um, and they need to obviously then 
play the Mavericks in round two. So, look, do you think Luca and Brunson have enough as a duo to overcome this Suns team? I'm or is huge. he going to miss time? We we discussed this at the very very start of this season. I think maybe it's maybe it's some point in season one. You, I was, I'm I'm a huge Luca fan. You're less so. Um, no, not of Luca. I just I didn't think the Mavericks were. Yeah, well, it, they did well to get rid of the unicorn. Um, yeah. <laughs> the thing about Luca is he's also coming back off an injury. Um, we've seen it kind of some of the games against Utah. I do kind of think he is probably going to have too much usage yet again. Um, Brunson definitely shown up in a big way. I didn't, unfortunately, get to see much of Booker post-injury. So I don't know what way he's looked. Um, you might be able to fill me in on that one. But I think the Suns have too much for him. Um, as much of a fan I am of Luca, And how well as a unit they're... Luca's the obvious star, but I think it's not just Luca and it's not just Brunson. Like I think Randy Bullock has been brilliant for them this season. Um doing a lot of the kind of hard work. Um kind Tree of and D, Mr. Bullock, huh? Yeah. But I think he's been doing a lot of that um kind of unseen work. And look, I think a lot of people forget how effective Spencer Dinwiddie is. Um He's an interesting player, and I think he he offers him another option as a potential a half a star player. He's not a, he's not really a star player, is he? But he's kind of half a star player. Um, he's better I than league Sp- average. Spencer Dinwiddie's career will be summed up in ten years' time as someone that was always the top of of your wish list of for a role player. If you're a title yeah. contending side, yeah, it's the way I see it. If he yeah. was a free agent every year, and you had a list of role players that you want. To be contending as a as a title team, he's going to be just there thereabouts to top your wish list. As someone that come on and run an entire second unit for you as well, or he can play with your lead guard. It doesn't really matter. You can have both with him. He's he's you know he's a nice he's a very nice player. Um, I think Luke is going to miss a game here. I do. I think he is, and and look, another unsung hero in the Phoenix Sun side, like. Dario Saric, like he's going to be out definitely game one. Do we think he's going to be a huge loss? I don't think he gets the credit he maybe deserves for that Phoenix Suns kind of title run last year. Yeah, I I kind of just, I lay my head with this thing that you know, Doncic when he was 16 was a professional. Mm-hmm. And so he's been playing professional basketball since 16 against grown men. And I actually think that these games that he starts to miss now are a result of the fact that he's been playing professional basketball since 16 years old. And that his peak is not going to be as long as everyone else's. And that when you have such a high usage against, like his usage is monstrous. He is not an effective off-ball player yet, and I think for them to be really contending year in, year out as title challengers, that he needs to be more effective at that. Because when you get him in a series and you know he's 40 points game one and two, and you're like, oh, fuck, here we go. Then he gets hurt in game three. He might miss a game three and a game four in these series. And now 
you know what I mean? Uh, like how you can't expect them to just keep going with these Herculean efforts and think it's fine. I would agree to an extent. Um, I think his style of play is not a style of play that overly worries me about high usage. If he was someone of the ilk of a Jam Morant, a Russell Westbrook, a Derrick Rose, if it was that style of play, that heavy involvement in the paint, that explosive explosion to the rim, then I'd be like, yeah, this fella is going to fall off a cliff because he's going to come back one day post two knee surgeries and probably an ankle surgery and he's just not going to be the same player he's played one way his whole life but I think that his style of play actually suits him as he gets older as he gets slower his kind of game management is something I really like about Luca. he's kind of for want of a better expression he's a poet on the court so yeah. he's your classic he's kind of like um you got a fellow who's played for the Nets. Um, I think he was a Croatian. Um, he actually killed playing for Croatia right around the fall of Yugoslavia. Jesus. Um, Dragic, I think it was. Or Petric. I think it was Petric. He, he'd like... He'd uh, played a phenomenal amount of basketball at an early age, professionally, in the former Yugoslavia block. Um, and he was similar to Luka he was like this this player coming through he was like this fella is a, it, you have to watch him Drazen Petrovic think so yeah yeah Um, it's similar to him like I think as he gets older he's, his game is just going to change I wouldn't be worried about he's not a one way player basically I think I, I'm less worried about Luka than I would have been of like saying explosive talent I wouldn't be worried about Luka as I am about say Ja yeah, and I, I agree, look, in fairness, the high usage thing worries me just from a point of view that it, it, it just, look, it's not realistic to think they can go and go through, like, three playoff series just to get to a finals with that usage on your own and expect, expect them to just be beating teams with two or three stars. Do you know what I mean? You might get one or two series, but like to think you're going to be able to get a flush way to the finals and do it. He he does need help. I, and, I don't know. The other part of me would also say that this year for the, the Mavs was never about making it to the finals. They're just kind of playing what's presenting itself. I think getting off the Porzingis contract this summer they might, might make a splash in the offseason to give him that second man. Because if you look at the roster, it's all kind of, it's 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 budget contracts. It's yeah, budget and contracts look, and experience and role players. Um, Brunson's just excelled. That's he's kind of. A, yeah, I don't know if they knew what they had in Brunson, who was. Um, I'm pretty sure he played for Villanova. He won the national championship with them, and like he was, really good. Mm. But as far as an NBA guard, lead guard goes, like he doesn't have the physical profile that they'd want. He just has that, you know, four inches upstairs and just get me on a roster and I'll make this work if I get a chance. And he's clearly done that now. Um, but I suppose like Cuban is always coy enough with his salary cap management and that like, if they think they can get someone, they'll always leave the window open. Uh, Dallas is obviously a huge market mm. and 
like just even the thoughts of putting him with a another lead guard or another like a top five shooting guard and the dream thing would be just giving him a huge big man that um is just like a, a demon in the low post mm-hmm. would be probably the ideal wish list so yeah i don't think dallas have enough I, d- I don't think I think they're going to get like games where these two boys go and throw 80 points up between them and then you might not get at them yeah you might get 80 points between them in these few games and, and the Suns are going to have too much to to handle I think is where I'm lying yeah, that's, that's fair enough um, it, there has been look I do think as playoffs go it's been one of the more intriguing ones um, yeah I, I, I don't think it's clear cut like but I just and I've enjoyed the series so far. Um, bar maybe game one of the the Celtics Nets was kind of the only game in that series I actually enjoyed um, on watchback. Um, well, I watched that live. I should be fair, but it's it's been um, it's been good. Um, I think of the sides left. I think probably Dallas and probably Philadelphia are the sides you probably can't see winning a. Conference championship, is that fair to say? Like I, I could see Memphis overcoming Golden State and in the right situation I could see them overcoming Phoenix. I wouldn't say they'd be the favourites in either series, but Yeah, but I think look, when you look back at Memphis against the Timberwolves is that they're while they're a very popular, hot, you know, up and coming pick and everyone wants to, you know, jump on the coattails of a young emerging superstar that just blows your brains away is that underneath it all they are still a very young and very naive side as well and Absolutely. that if they think that you know this shit of dancing on Minnesota's logo and all that kind of stuff is going to fly with that Warriors team you know they could find themselves out of a series very quickly if they don't grow up I suppose is the kind of word I'm looking for is that they they're they've huge national audience watching them now. It's time to it's time to grow into a, a title side. I agree, but I do think their uh, their youth youthful kind of lack of respect is kind of what's gotten this far too. Um, so I think we'd be remiss to ask them to to turn that off now. Um, no, that's true. It's just the mistakes you make on the floor as well as the younger players that is going to kill them more than that. And I think. Oh look, and and, and I was when you do something like that and then you lose it, you always look worse um, yeah. if you win no one bats an eyelid um, but like, I think that Tim, Tim Wolf team is a lot better than a lot of people give it credit for um, myself included um, yeah look I know uh, you, you, you you have a little love affair with, with, with Edwards and rightly so he's, he's he's a talented player and he's a, he seems like a nice bloke um, and Carl Anthony Towns is no joke now the Edwards shushing. got the Timberwolves to the playoffs. I think it's enough when you just put it like that. Like they're lounge, like they were languishing, mm. and then they got the one player that just had the. They got the one player, but they had some other pieces lying around. Yeah, definitely. Um, the one that was going to kick them on. Yeah. Look, yeah. No, I've I've enjoyed it thus far. Um, happy to move on. Yeah. Just to round us out, you've probably already seen it, but. Or have you seen this in partnership with usasports.co.uk we're talking about playoffs click the link in the podcast description just have a look they have a wide range of NBA jerseys at your disposal is obviously Giannis's off the backboard self alley-oop dunk 
Um, it kind of just kind of really summarizes just the athleticism this man has at his disposal um, in a high stakes playoff game uh, away from home in probably the I'd say it's arguably the, the hardest place to go win a game of basketball away from home is the TD Gardens in Boston um, so yeah look I'd definitely give that a click out just to kind of keep everyone in the loop and um, this is episode 2.16 we probably will round out season two with episode two point twenty with a launch, an air date probably of I think the first of June. Um, so we're definitely coming to the end um, of this season. And like Big Trev in Rotorua last week, any fan questions? Just click the link in the podcast description. Drop us a DM, or alternatively, that link to the audio message if you if you're that way inclined is also on our Instagram page, the Midseason Slump. Um, that pretty much is all for me that is all for me as well thank you and good night